Today I am starting a series called Stories We Live By. I'm convinced that we are supposed to follow the Bible. It's supposed to be our guide for life, and we can trust our lives to these stories. But there's challenges to that. Part of the challenge is a lot of people don't know the stories. A lot of people don't know how to read these stories and apply them to our lives. And so I'm going to take uh, some time. I'm, I might even go through the end of the year to, to look at great stories of the Bible. We're going to flip Old and New Testament some. Uh, we might, you know, stay with a character for a couple weeks. I don't know. I don't know how it planned out. But I'm convinced that we need to learn how to read this Bible and uh, live by these stories. So that's what we're going to do. Allows me a lot of flexibility in picking sermons, and uh, uh, you know, also it just fits, I think, where we need to be thinking about um, in this year. So, um, we're going to start with one of my favorite stories. It's actually a story within a story, it's kind of sandwiched. So, one story starts, one healing starts, then there's a healing we're going to focus on, and then the, the first healing sort of finishes. So it comes from Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. I'm going to read through verse 34, and then I'll pick up the rest of the story a little later, uh, although you have to read the rest for yourself in Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him. He was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, Seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her, that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. The great crowd followed him and thronged about him. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and spent all that she had, and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus perceived in himself that the power had gone out of him immediately turned about the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? The disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So Jesus has been on the far side of Galilee in non-Jewish territory and now comes back to the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee. And there are crowds gathered around him. He's trying to teach by the sea, but there's just people everywhere. A man named Jairus comes. He must be important. He's given a name and we are told he's a ruler of the synagogue. And he has a little daughter who is at the point of death. He falls at Jesus' feet and begs him to come and heal his daughter, saying that if Jesus comes and lays his hands on her, then she will be healed. This man takes quite a risk to go see Jesus. As a ruler of the synagogue, he would have been wealthy and in good standing, but he also would have been an enemy of Jesus. 
He may even have been one of those who tested or questioned Jesus. But none of that matters when this little daughter, when his little daughter is dying. Was it the desperation in his eyes that moved Jesus to go with him? We, we don't know. But there's a big crowd. Everybody's bumping and pushing, and so the disciples have to push their way through. We can imagine it being something like, uh, you know, Black Friday when we used to have that, and you'd have all these crowds. I bet you people like Peter loved it. They could feel like they were in charge and push and pull their way through the crowd. Then as they are on their way for one healing, we get introduced to another woman. She's nameless, but we are told that she has had a discharge of blood for 12 years. What is this ailment? We can't be sure. Is it something with her ovaries? Is it a sexually transmitted disease or a wound that will not heal? Is it some kind of white blood cell issue, blood disorder, or autoimmune disease? We don't know about the disease, but we do know some of her story. That she has suffered under many physicians. She has spent all she had trying to deal with this issue, and she's now in poverty. And through it all, the ailment has only grown worse. She is desperate. She has exhausted all her possible solutions. What is more, she, she probably sees herself as cursed by God. And because she's always bleeding, she's considered ceremonially unclean. She can't go to the synagogue. She can't go to the temple to make sacrifices. She's in this group of people that are called in the Gospels sinners because they always are sinners. They can't be made right with God. And in fact, if she touches anyone else, they become unclean. But she she gets this idea. She thinks, if only I can touch the garments of Jesus, then I will be healed. But where does she get this idea from? That she can just touch his garments and be healed? Well, I think, and, and Matthew and Luke both make this connection even stronger than Mark does, that she is considering a scripture in the Old Testament, the very last chapter, Malachi chapter 4. Let me just read verses 1 and 2. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble, The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. The key phrase is that Messiah will come with healing in his wings. This word wings, kanaf in Hebrew, it means it can mean wings, but it can also mean like the edge or fringe. The same way in a basketball game, a wing might play on the edge or the perimeter. So this, this word wing can mean the edge. Jewish people in the days of Jesus and religious Jews today wear tassels on the edge of their garments, on the wings, on the perimeter. These tassels, these strings hanging down, come out in Numbers 15, and then in Deuteronomy 22:12 it says, You shall make yourself tassels on the four corners of the garment with which you cover yourself. These tassels are called tzitzit, and they are part of a Jewish prayer shawl called the talit. When, and and uh, I have two of them, Messianic Jewish prayer shawls. There are different types, lots of different ways to wear them. But the important piece is these four tassels 
that are on the corners. And the belief became that when Messiah would come, based on this Malachi verse, he would come with healing in the tzitzit, healing in the tassels, healing on his wings or on the edge of his garment. There are even reports of rabbis that would have extra long tassels to cause people to almost wonder if they might be the Messiah because you could go up and touch their tassels and hope for healing. This is important because Jesus, being an observant Jew, would have had these tassels. He might not have had a prayer shawl the way we have it today, but he would have had these tassels on the edges of his garment. So I believe this woman is thinking about this scripture in Malachi. And she actually has faith, not just in Jesus' ability to heal, but faith in him as the Messiah, the promised one, the son of righteousness with healing if, if, if he could, she could just touch the hem of his garments, she believes he is the Messiah and there would be healing there. So let's go back to the scene. Jesus and the disciples trying to follow Jairus to his dying daughter's deathbed. They are pushing and bumping their way through and this unnamed woman creeps up through the crowd and touches. She, she swings at the tassels on Jesus' cloak and she's healed says immediately the flow of blood is dried up and she knows that she's healed. She can feel it. Jesus stops in his tracks and asks, who touched me? You got to appreciate the humor of this moment because the disciples stop and are sort of like, everybody touched you. Like everybody's, like the whole crowd's pressing in and you stop to ask, who touched me? But Jesus knows that something happened. In fact, I think Jesus is not really surprised. I think he's doing what he always does. He asks a question to bring up a point, to teach his disciples. And this woman comes forward and she's afraid. Maybe she's afraid because she thinks maybe he'll be upset. Maybe she understands that she has made Jesus unclean and the crowd unclean and she could get in trouble for this. But Jesus says three beautiful things to this daughter, to this woman. He says daughter, it's the only woman in in the Gospels he calls daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Your faith has made you well. We're going to return to this phrase. I'm not always sure what to do with this. Your faith made you well? I thought his wings made you well. Does her faith actually make her well? We got to circle back to that one. Jesus also says, go in peace. Probably knowing that she's nervous, but also understanding Like, this woman hasn't had peace in years. For 12 years, she's been in pain and suffering and and, uh, in isolation and wondering if she's cursed. And she hasn't had a moment of peace in 12 years. What a blessing for Jesus to say, go in peace. Maybe he also understands that she still needs to be healed. And that's why he says... Be healed of your disease. That's a funny phrase, right? When the text is already made so clear that she already has healed her. She knows she's healed. Maybe what he's saying is, be healed of your disease. Like, first of all, that this healing is permanent. But maybe also he's saying, be healed completely of it. Go back and put your life back together. That there's more healing to be done after the healing is done. Um, while they're talking, uh, 
that a person comes up and we're reminded again of the healing that Jesus is on his way to do. You can again read the story for yourself. I encourage you to always read the text later, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to try to finish the story for you. The person announces not to bother Jesus anymore because the little girl is already dead. Jesus says to those pers- to the people and to Jairus, do not be afraid, only believe because she is only sleeping. <laughs> now listen, in the first century, they had been around dead bodies. People lost children very often. They knew she wasn't sleeping, that she was dead. But Jesus takes her by the hand and says, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she got up and started to walk. And he told everyone there to tell no one and to give her something to eat. So what do we do with these two stories? Two stories clearly written together to be read together. One sandwiched in the middle of them, even connected by the number 12 because she, the, the, the woman has been sick for 12 years, but this girl is 12 years old. We have these two desperate people a wounded woman who has suffered and lost everything and a terrified parent willing to risk reputation to save his dying daughter. And in some ways, they couldn't be more different. A named man and a nameless woman. A leader of the synagogue and an unclean woman who would not be welcome in the synagogue. A man of wealth and a woman now in poverty. One fighting for his daughter, one fighting for herself. One who believes Jesus, if Jesus comes and lays his hands on her, his daughter, that she will be healed. And one who believes if she can just lay her hands on Jesus, she will be healed. One who comes and speaks to Jesus and one who secretly comes and tries to get away quietly. One who loses faith when his daughter dies, but one whose faith makes her well two different situations what they have in common is this hopelessness can you see yourself in the description bad health concerns suffered from doctors lost everything you had have you lost a child or felt like you lost a child been separated from a child maybe it's not even a physical healing that you need but but are there places in your life where you feel this hopelessness in this desperation. But what these two people also have in common is Jesus, the one with healing in his wings. Now, sometimes he doesn't heal. Sometimes the healing we're looking for comes after death. We don't always get the healing. After all, the healing is not in the hem of our garments. Sometimes we have faith and we don't get well. And sometimes we lose faith and we find healing. But what I want to focus on for a moment is, is this, this woman in the crowd. Why does she get healed when so many others don't? How many other people that day bumped into Jesus, touched Jesus, but didn't get healed? And yet this woman got healed. I want to, I want to try to hold two things very closely here. One is that it's Jesus' wings. It's his healing. He can do what he wants with it. And I believe Jesus always heals, just sometimes it's on the other side of death or in Jesus' understanding, sleeping. But what if we, 
What if we at the same time as we recognize that honestly took seriously the idea that her faith made her well? What if we what if we cautiously keeping in balance? What if we what honestly started to think about faith? I wonder if sometimes God is willing to heal but we don't ask. We don't have the faith to ask. We don't have the faith in who he is to believe in his ability to do it. And so we don't ask. And sometimes, not all the time, but I wonder if sometimes we don't find healing because we don't ask. And, and maybe the healing is just going to be emotional, won't be physical. Maybe the peace will come even if the healing doesn't happen. But, but, but I, I want to take seriously this idea that maybe we should be asking, maybe we should have more faith. And that maybe one of the keys to getting well is having the faith to ask. Maybe the line between hopelessness and hope is as simple as faith and really reaching out. And so if you were in person, I would, I would invite you forward to maybe touch the tassels of a prayer shawl. But, but online here, imagine, imagine in your head the tassels of a prayer shawl that Jesus might have. Imagine touching your hand to those tassels and ask Jesus to heal you. Heal you of your infirmities. Heal you of your struggles. May you find peace. May you find a wholeness. Not that you can force his hand. It's his healing. It's in his wings. But maybe maybe you need to ask. Maybe you need to find some faith. Maybe Jesus stands ready to bring some healing and some peace and to make you well. So in your, in your thoughts, in your prayers, close your eyes and imagine identifying with this woman and touching the tassels of Jesus and believing that healing could be yours. I believe a loving Jesus who cared for this woman, who cared for Jairus, will look on you with compassion. May you find some, some peace. May you find some healing. And may God answer your prayers.